Are you recording? Yes. All right, I'm recording too. All right, so what's your name? My name is Emily Gilson. And Emily, where are you from? I'm from D.C. And Emily, what do you do in the city in terms of art? How would you describe yourself? I would describe myself as mostly an actor, uh, but I also have a job during the holidays as a professional Christmas caroler with a caroling group that wears Victorian costume, which is super cool. So Emily, what's the question that you have? My question is, what's the best way to handle contracts? Can you demand one? If you don't have one, can you renegotiate one? What is the best way to deal with that? This is Artist File. Here's your host, Felipe Cabezas. Most of us don't have agents or managers handling our contracts, so that responsibility falls on our shoulders. Obviously, we want to ensure that we'll be treated fairly and relying on the honor system can be risky. But nobody wants to be that person who's difficult to work with, and we fear that we're replaceable. So what's the best way to walk this tightrope and to demand a contract? You know, I, I, I really appreciate this question. That's Andy Fife. He was a director, musician, and writer in Chicago, but since moving to Seattle, he's been an advisor and consultant for arts and cultural organizations in Washington and across the country. A contract is just a legal document, um, and legal documents, like all legal matters, should really be considered an absolute worst-case scenario. So, um, you know, the, the point of it is, is definitely to have a backup in case the worst-case scenario comes forward and you need to, like, pull in lawyers or have some kind of, like, you know, process... Um, to mediate conflict. Um, but more important to that is that the idea that, oh, we're going to really decide together, negotiate together, um, and set down what the decisions of that negotiation were on paper so that we can refer back to it in the future. Um, and that's really, to me, what is important about a contract. So does that need to have all of the legalese and be um, you know, vetted by a lawyer or six? No. Um, to some degree, that could just be an email that says, you said this, this, then this. Is that what, uh, and that's what I understood. And the other person writes back, yes, indeed, that is exactly what we agreed upon. Um, in some ways, that is a contract. Um, so um, demanding or ne- renegotiating a contract, um, sometimes it's not even about demanding one. It's just making sure that there's some place that it's written down and recorded what the agreement was. What is a contract then? It's Sounds to me that it's just security. Yeah, I think so. It's security. It's also agreement. You know, that's another name for one is let's sign an agreement. Um, But that word is a really um, key word. Uh, It's, you know, to agree, um, to come to some set of decisions that are shared between two parties. So then what forms can these contracts, or I guess now we should call them agreements, what forms can they take? If you went to talk to uh, lawyers, um, they'd say even a verbal agreement has a sense of legal bindingness to it. Um, so that um, a handshake agreement, um, it's a little harder to prove who said what. Um, but technically, even a, a conversation um, could be considered a binding 
agreement or contract. Clearly, something on paper with a signature on it is a step above an email exchange, but it, you know, email operates pretty well. Um, and then if you get into the territory of getting something that has um, more legally binding language on it, and there's plenty of templates out there that one could use um, for that, that, that's even better. What you're saying is, if it's not the culture, there are other ways to do it. A contract is not necessarily a piece of paper. A contract can be an email. It can be a voice recording. It can be something else. Yeah, as long as you have some um, something to refer back to in the future, um, you that that is uh, that that both parties have said yes, indeed, that's what we agreed to. Um, there, there's room for, um, you know, should it come to that legal action? That's the, those are legally binding conversations that people are having. The one thing to note with uh, audio recordings is to make sure um, that the person that you're recording knows that they're being recorded. So, what are the drawbacks for demanding one? Are there any drawbacks? I mean, there's certainly drawbacks. There's certainly we in the arts um, oftentimes are working with our friends. We're often working with people. Um, themselves who are not getting paid a lot of money, um, who are doing it for a passion-based uh, uh, um, initiative. They, they love what they're doing. Oftentimes, not many of us are that legally oriented or business oriented. Um, and so it just, you know, it's weird to demand a contract if that's not been the custom. But on the other hand, it's really easy to just be like, to, to shoot off an email after that initial conversation about what the project is and say, well, here's what I heard um, from that conversation that we had. Um, you know, it seems like we're going to work together for this amount of time. It's going to be this much money. Um, and these are the special circumstances of our conversation. Uh, do you agree? Just making sure that we have it down on paper in a, in a shared place or down in this email in a shared place. Um, and there's, there's a way to do that that it, it isn't so... It's not like, and my team of lawyers is hanging out in the other room uh, <laughs> waiting to uh, um, sue you if you don't respond properly to this email. So you mentioned that it can be written into a contract about renegotiating, but are there any drawbacks, if any, for asking to renegotiate a contract? Uh, there could be. Renegotiating a contract also means that um, the other side can rewrite things as well. So I think people get afraid to... Um, to get into it um, for fear of losing what is already established. For somebody who isn't uh, adept at it, doesn't have a lot of experience with it, um, it can be hard. It can be hard to do it originally, and that can be especially hard to be like, okay, we're going to really reopen that and, and do it again. Um, but anytime that there becomes a, a clear change, such as, oh, we're going to extend the run for a couple of weeks, um, or, oh, it turns out we... Um, you know, something happened to that piece of artwork and, um, or it sold and, and we want to um, go ahead and uh, move it on and we need a new one to finish out the exhibit in the, in the rest of the time. Um, all of a sudden there's a new condition and um, if that's a change to the already established agreement, um, then a renegotiation does have to happen. It sounds like most people view renegotiation as a glass half empty situation. And that you're saying, no, instead of looking at it as half empty, it can be half full. And, I, and I, I think that, you know, a lot of times we think of contracts as these conflict-based documents that, uh, um, you know, are uh, uh, ground out through two parties fighting with one another in order to get their 
Um, and, uh, and therefore, the negotiation or renegotiation of those contracts is going to be that experience. On the other hand, I think that um, coming to an agreement with somebody and finding uh, common ground um, and having discussions that lead to that common ground is one of the most positive things that um, a person can experience in the professional world. And, uh, and that's what writing a contract is. So, um, you know, I, I, I think it's, and is it weird to say, I think they're, they can be fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I think they can be really positive experience, uh, is to, is to really make sure that, Hey, we really do agree. This is what we're agreeing upon. I understand it. You understand it. How good does that feel? Um, and it doesn't have to be about conflict all the time. Kumbaya, Andy. Kumbaya. In all seriousness, that's a great perspective. And hopefully you now feel more confident for the next time you demand a contract. As always, though, Artist File provides general guidance, not advice, on matters of interest to artists. The goal is to enable you to think more intelligently about managing business, not to tell you what to do. For professional advice regarding contracts, consult a local art support organization, lawyer, or volunteer lawyers for the arts. If you want to drink more from Andy's fountain of knowledge, visit him at www.fifeconsulting.net. And another episode of Artist File Bites the Dust. If you want to contribute to the podcast by asking a question or answering one, visit www.artist-file.com and click on the appropriate link on the right-hand side. And don't forget, sharing is caring, especially when you share Artist File. Until next time. <laughs>